if you're taking notes this, this morning, um, the title of this talk or sermon or show and tell, whatever you want to call it, is Sharks with Laser Beams. Sharks with Laser Beams. It's a very, very spiritual title. The Holy Spirit gave it to me in a dream, obviously. And um, that's what we're going to be talking about today. So why don't we just, just pray quickly. Father, thank you for your presence. Thank you, Lord, that when we open your word, there's a shedding of light. And Lord, we're here to hear from you. And so thank, thank you for your word. And as we read through these passages of scripture, we're asking you, Lord, you would speak. And there's so many of us here. We're all from different uh, backgrounds and walks of life facing different circumstances, um, but we're also a church together, so we're asking you, Holy Spirit, that you would speak individually and corporately to us. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. Okay, let's start reading uh, in Numbers 13, and we're going to read a bit of a scripture. Um, most of you are probably familiar with these passages, but um, I don't want to take anything for granted, so we're going to read through these. So just before we get to Numbers 13, 16, um, in fact, do we have it up on the screen there? Numbers 13, 16. There it is. Boom. Way, way to go, tech team. You're incredible. You're geniuses. You're wizards. It's wonderful. So just before we arrive at verse 16, Moses has just read out a number of names of the guys that are going to go on this expedition into the promised land to check it out and, and to, to see what's happening. Um, and so he, he, he reads out this list of names. And, and where we are in the narrative is God has just set the people of Israel um, or the, the Hebrew slaves, they're not a nation yet, sets them free from Egyptian bondage. And they go through the, you, know, you get the 10 plagues and you got the Red Sea and it opens and, and <clears throat> God brings them out and, and brings them to Sinai and, and that's where they get married to Yahweh and um, and you know, Moses is up on the mountain and they're doing the marriage ceremony and Israel's down there cheating on God um, on their wedding night, of course. Um, and so this, that's who they are and God just loves them. He's gonna be faithful to them even though they're a hot mess, um, which is encouraging, right? It's meant to encourage you. Like you're not meant to laugh at them. You're meant to go, oh, that's me, right? Um, and so, so it's, it's right. It's, so you're just seeing the mercy and the kindness of God who draws near to this people, and you know, but not too close. He's like, not, don't get too close because you might get zapped. Um, and so he kind of tells them how to be in his presence, and he's sharing with them. And so they have some time; they're getting to know each other. And and so God's taking them, you know, to, to this promised land, right? Because He brought them out of Egypt to bring them to. A promised land, right? God, there's always a place that God's bringing us to, right? God doesn't just show up and rescue us for, for no reason, right? He's always bringing, as, as individuals, you know, there's a story in your life, and God's always trying to bring you to a place in your life. And also, as a people, as a church, right, as Wave Church, there's a destiny in Christ Jesus for both yourself, your family, and your church. Isn't that cool? So that's the story when we can learn from the narrative. And so they're getting ready to, to take a look at where God is about to bring them. And they need to go check it out. So this is where we we're start reading. So these are the names of men uh, whom Moses sent to spy out the land. And Moses called Hosea, the son of Nun, Joshua. 
He gets a little name change before he goes out on the camping trip. So Moses sent them to spy on the land of Canaan and said to them, go up into the Negev and go up into the hill country and see what the land is and whether the people who dwell in it are strong or weak, whether they are few or many, and whether the land that they dwell in is good or bad, and whether the cities that they dwell in are camps or strongholds, and whether the land is rich or poor, and whether there are trees in it or not. This is like a... a, a um, a grocery list from my wife. You know, like details. Women like details, number one. And he's asking for all of these, these, you know, these, he even asks for, you know, bring me some fruit. When my wife sends me to the grocery store, I always tell her, don't tell me, te text me. If it's not in text, it's not coming home. <laughs> right? I have no excuses if she's texted it to me. Right? That's real. So it's good accountability. Um, so, so he's obviously, he's texted them. We have the text. He's like, I have the receipts. I wrote it down. The Holy Spirit told me to. Um, so, Be of good courage and bring some of the fruit of the land. Now the time was the season of the first ripe grapes. All right. So they went up and spied out the land from the wilderness of Zin to Rehob. I don't even, I, I'm going to butcher these names. They went up to the Negev and came to Hebron, Ahim, and Shesha, and Talmai, the descendants of Anak, were there. That's, I don't know if you're familiar with Frank Peretti's work, but that's cause for concern right there, okay, the, the descendants of Anak. Um, now, uh, Hebron was built seven years before Zon in Egypt. Let's keep reading. And they came to the valley of Eshkol and cut down from there a branch with a single cluster of grapes, and they carried it on a pole between two of them. Let's just keep that verse up there for a second. Okay, that's ridiculous. Now, when the Bible says something ridiculous, you should stop and go, that's ridiculous. <laughs> and, and, and then try to, look, why is it there? Why is that ridiculous thing there? So, it's there because the promised land that God is giving them is ridiculously good. Right? It's, it's meant to go, Grapes aren't supposed to be that big. God's going, I, I know. I know they're not. And the place that I'm taking you is so ridiculous that if you went to take a look at your future as a church, as a people, you wouldn't believe how ridiculous the goodness of God would be if you carried it back into your present. That's what God wants for us. He's a good father. He gives good gifts to his children, and he brings us into strong places. That's his heart, okay? Sometimes we need that, like, that DeLorean faith. You know what I mean? And you don't forget the flux capacitor either, <laughs> right? And you go into your future just prophetically, go, God, you know, how could I imagine how awesome our future is going to be in Christ Jesus? And that's the moment here is they have the little DeLorean experience. And so they're bringing back. Now, I don't know about you, but... Last time I was at a vineyard uh, during this, the time of the grapes, I was in Australia, in South Australia. My wife is Australian, so that's why we're there. I don't just casually go to Australia. Um, I would never casually fly across water for 18 hours. Um, <laughs> and um, so we're there. It's, the time, it's, it's February, which is there August. And so the grapes are just ready to come up, and we're at this vineyard, and they had about... 
12 or 13 grape varietals that were growing out on the, on the front of the lawn at this, at this vineyard. And they told us, hey, like the grapes are just ready. Go out and try all the different varietals that we have. And so my wife is in one aisle, you know, and she's like, I found the Cabernet. I'm like, I'm over here in the Pinot, right? We're shouting at each other, try them. And so they let us, they're like, grab the grapes. You know what I mean? Like just grab them and juice them right there, just with your hands. I'm like, we can juice them? They're like, juice them, wheeze the juice. I'm like, okay, I'm going to wheeze the juice. I'm wheezing all of the juice. So I'm like juicing these grapes. And a cluster of grapes is like, it's, it's one hand. Come on, you following me here? Have you ever seen a cluster of grapes? They're not big. They don't need to be carried out with, by two people. If you saw somebody carry out a cluster of grapes with two dudes, it would be weird. It would be like, what's wrong with you? Right? <laughs> It's ridiculously, ridiculously, ridiculously good what God wants for you. You're supposed to let your imagination run wild with the goodness of God at times. That's the point of this passage. Let's keep reading. They came to Eshkol. They carried on a pole. They also brought some pomegranates and figs. I guess Moses was having some bowel issues. one can deduce <laughs> or one may not whatever one wants to do that place was called the belly of Eshkol because of the cluster Eshkol I believe means cluster checking with Joe Riddle up here because of the cluster the people of Israel cut down from there at the end of 40 days they returned from spying out the land and they came to Moses and Aaron and to all the congregation of the people of Israel in the wilderness of Paran at Kadesh. They brought back word to them and to all the congregation and showed them the fruit of the land. And they told him, we came to the land to which you sent us. It flows with milk and honey, and this is its fruit. Now, really quickly, we're going to see two reports here. The first report is... is Typical. It's a lot of information. And the second report is atypical, and there are some strange features in it. Um, so let's keep reading. However, the people who dwell on the land are strong, and the cities are fortified and very large. And besides, we saw the descendants of Anak there. I mean, they're just reporting what they're seeing at this point. There's nothing wrong with seeing bad things and saying that bad things exist, right? The Amalekites dwell on the land and then again, the Hittites, the Jebusites, the Amorites, the Canaanites, all of the mosquito bites. There's nothing wrong with, with, with saying what is a reality. Have you ever met somebody like a Christian who is a little bit like hyper extreme faith vibes? You know what I mean? And they're like, and so they won't even say things that are true, right? It's like, dude, are you okay? You look very unwell. He's like, no, I'm ruling and reigning in Christ Jesus. <laughs> dude, you have COVID. <laughs> but no, I'm seated in heavenly places and there's no COVID in heaven. I think you need to go home, you know? There's nothing, you know, you know, it's interesting. The prerequisite for getting healed by Jesus is being sick. Figure that out. 
<laughs> right? Like people, they were sick and Jesus, you're sick. Yeah, I'm sick. Okay, I'm gonna heal you. Faith is not denying reality. And there's nothing wrong with saying things that are really happening in your life. It's not a lack of faith. It's not not trusting God. If you're going, yeah, I'm depressed, I'm discouraged. There's a passage, I think it's in 2 Corinthians, where Paul says that he despaired of life itself. Can you imagine the Apostle Paul right, just casually writing a church and going, I didn't want to live anymore. It's like, are you okay, dude? Like, what's going on? He's like, yeah, well, we were poor. We were getting beaten up. We just sort of were hating life. We had a moment, had a moment there where I'm like, I don't want to live anymore. That's the Apostle Paul, dude. It's okay to say some realities at times because it, 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 we, we have to become conscious of our situation in order to recognize our need. Right? So a denial of reality is actually just suppressing your consciousness. I don't think it's a strength. I think it's a weakness. And so this first report, is it, there's nothing wrong with it. There's, there's people, seven-nation army, sons of Anak. They're strong. Okay. Let's keep reading. Canaanites dwell by the sea. The, but Caleb quieted the people before Moses. So obviously people are going, oh, man. You know what I mean? Like, what about the, the grapes were so beautiful? And now they're defended. They're defending the grapes. So they're obviously upset. Caleb quiets them before Moses and says, let's go up and... and at once and occupy it, for we are well able to overcome it. Now, I'm just gonna say this about Caleb. My, my guess, the text doesn't really tell us. My guess is that, look, he, he's a, a faith guy, as in he knows what Israel is called to. But there's also a, a suspicious part of me that wonders if Caleb's just that guy in your, you know, in your friend group that's always like, what if we jumped off a bridge right now? <laughs> He's a little bit like that. You know what I mean? You know that guy that's like, I'll do it. <laughs> it's like, no, Todd, don't do it. Don't volunteer either anymore. You're making me feel uncomfortable, bro. You follow me? Caleb's a little nuts. Now, I think that you have to be a little nuts sometimes to follow God, right? But he's a little nuts. I don't, as a person, identify with him whatsoever. I'll explain later. Okay. Then the men who had gone up with him said, we are not able to go up against the people for they are stronger than we are. So they brought to the people of Israel a bad report. Now here comes the bad report, okay? The bad report is that the land that they, you know, uh, the land through which we have gone on to Spida is a land that devours its inhabitants, Never heard of that before. That's a new one. Dude, the land eats people. Okay. Um, none of us saw that, but interesting, right? So that's, that's hyperbole. That's ridiculous, right? That's what my psychologist calls catastrophization, a word that I now use on my wife. 
Oh, thank you for that weapon. I will use it now. <laughs> All the people that we saw in it are great. Now everybody's a giant. Right? Everybody's tall there. Like, what do you mean? Like, like well, you're 5'8", so... 5'9"? Are they all 5'9"? Is that what it is? No, they're all just insanely... They all play in the NBA. It's ridiculous. Right? And there we saw the Nephilim. Oh, they're Nephilim now. Okay, so it went from being the sons of Anak who come... They're, they're Nephilim now. So Nephilim, Genesis chapter 6, in the second temple period of, 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 um, of literature... The second temple... Second Temple Judaism is the type of Judaism that Jesus and Paul were in, okay? It was, the, it was, a, uh, it was a different type of Judaism than what was being written at this, at this time. There's a lot of different prophetic literatures earmarked by certain prophetic literatures, and a lot of the writers, or Jewish writers, they believed at that time in the Second Temple period that in Genesis 6, there was this half-angel, half-human-like race that they were like demon spawn, essentially. And in Genesis chapter 6, they believe that the sons of God, they were angels or Elohim angels, and they, they saw beautiful women, pretty women, walking down the street, pretty women, kind of like to meet, and they took them for wives, and they mated with them, and there was like this other race. This is what they believed during the Second Temple period. Um, and so it's, pre it's presumable that the the audience that is reading this in Israel's history is they're, now, they're freaking out, and it's it's presumable that perchance the people that are reading this are going Nephilim. They're demon monsters. They're not human. So it's like a supernatural enemy that they're fighting now. They're monsters, right? It's the Nephilim. What? They're going to rip our arms off and eat our heads. Those type, it's boogeyman type vibes. We seemed like grasshoppers. And so we seemed to them. So they're looking at us and we're just tiny and right. So this is this is crazy. This is a very bad report. And it's a bad report because it's catastrophization. Right? It's ridiculous. It's not just the reality, it's just saying things that are patently false. Right? Then all the congregation raised a loud cry, and the people wept that night, and the first country song was written. <laughs> and all the people of Israel grumbled against Moses and Aaron, the whole congregation said to them, would that we had died in the land of Egypt, or would that we had died in this wilderness. They're obviously pretty depressed. God's like, die in this wilderness, I might run with that, that's actually a great idea. Why is the Lord bringing us into this land to fall by the sword? Our wives and our little ones will become prey. Would it not be better for us to go back to Egypt? No. No, it wouldn't be better to go back to Egypt. You want to know why? Because there's nothing left. God just destroyed it. It's a smoldering ruin. Right? Like their, their crops have been eaten. Their cattle have been destroyed. Their pets' heads are falling off. The Nile has been turned into blood. Oh, and then you killed all their firstborn. They're probably still harboring a bit of resentment. Give it a decade. Give it a century. Right? No, it's not. There's not. You, you plundered them. You took everything. 
Right? This is catastrophizing. It's ridiculous. They're not in their right mind, and that's what fear does to you, right? Like when you're afraid, you start making stupid plans. They're experiencing anxiety right now. Anxiety is fear of future pain. And so when you're experiencing anxiety and you're, and you're having those panic attacks, you just start to, you're, just, you're, not in, you're not your right self. You're not thinking, so you're making these ridiculous plans. Let's choose a leader and go back to Egypt, right? Then Moses and Aaron fell on their faces. Now, usually Moses and Aaron fall on their faces when fire's about to come before the Lord and scorch earth, right? So they, they hit the deck in front of these people because they're going, God's not gonna like this, God's not gonna like this, and they hit the deck, right? Here comes the fire, bend over, right? Next verse, Joshua, the son of Nun. Now, they see Moses and Aaron hit the deck, they tear their clothes, like, like, a, like there's, there's about to be a funeral, right? Because if Moses and Aaron are hitting the deck, people are about to die, right? It's like, yeah, right? They're freaking out. And so they save the congregation in sort of a last-ditch effort to try to avoid a catastrophe. The land which we passed through to spy it out is an exceedingly good land. If the Lord delights in us, he will bring us into the land and give it to us. And P.S., he does. We were nobodies in Egypt. We were just slaves. We could never offer him anything, but for whatever reason, he delivered us because we're his. We're his people. He likes us. How much more does God love you if you're in Jesus Christ? You know, if you're in Jesus but you've received Jesus, that work of just receiving the Son of God, God looks at you and he's just, he, because he sees the Son. He sees that perfect work of Jesus Christ that you've received and so he's looking at you. You're sort of hiding behind Jesus. And he's like, I just, I just smell my Son. I see my Son. I'm obsessed with you. I love you. God likes you. He loves you. You have the scent of the Son on you. I believe Spurgeon called um, goodness and mercy the hound dogs of heaven. Like, surely goodness and mercy will follow me all the days of my life. Why? Because I smell like Jesus. I've received him. I got him all over me. And because of that, goodness and mercy will follow me all the days of my life. God delights in you. And there's a land that he wants to give you. And it's not about what you, it's not, your, it's not works-based. It's about who you've received. You are now the people of God. His own special people. He likes you. And if God delights in you, he will give you the land. He will bring us into this land and give it to us, a land that flows with milk and honey. Milk and honey is ancient Near Eastern hyperbole for fully loaded. It's the hyperbole of faith. We keep on saying milk and honey, milk and honey. Land doesn't flow with milk and honey. It just means like fully loaded. It's hyperbole. It's, it's just like it's fully loaded to the max. 
Keep reading. Only do not rebel against the Lord. And do not fear the people of the land, for they are bread for us. They're going to be consumed by us. They will be our fuel for the purposes of God in our generation. Their protection is removed from them, and the Lord is with us. Do not fear them. We're going to read one more passage of Scripture, and then we're going to take a look at some of this stuff. So Revelation 21.8. Revelation 21.8. I don't know the last time you read the book of Revelation. I'm sure there's a lot of Christians reading the book of Revelation right now. It's like, what is going on, God? When I read the book of Revelation, I don't camp out like I do in the Psalms. You know, when you're eating the Psalms, you're just sort of laying down on your side and eating grapes. The Lord is my shepherd. And you're just chewing on that one. Mm, shepherd. Mm. You know what I mean? Just one verse at a time. Just like, oh. It's like taking a nice warm bath. And... The book of Revelation, you're hurrying through. <laughs> right? You know what I mean? You're just like, you're just reading it a little bit nervously. <laughs> oh, beast. Oh, he's ugly. Oh, people are dying. You're fast forwarding. You know what I mean? Like. So you get to the end of the book of Revelation quickly because you know that we win. You know, Jesus comes back and it's like, thank you. You know, so you're, you're, you're kind of out of breath. Like you just took a staircase and you're reading Revelation 21, right? And so Jesus is setting the world to rights now, right? And so, he, and so in Revelation 21, we see he's, he's dunking people. Like their portion will be in the lake that burns with fire. So, he's, so we're seeing the dunking. You know, yeah, oh, dunk him, God. Dunk him, dunk him, dunk him, right? So the, the faith, dunk him. The detestable, dunk him. Murderers, dunk him. The sexually immoral, dunk him. Harry Potter, double dunk. <laughs> Idolaters, dunk. Liars, they, the people who lied to me. What, you lied? Eh, dunk him, God, you know? Their portion will be in the lake. The problem, though, in this passage is that, you know, I see my name. It's, I'm the first one there, the cowardly. Have you ever been reading through the Bible and it's like, oh, this is great. And then it's like, no, Bible, no, because you're seeing yourself. You're like, calm down, Bible. <laughs> cowardly, that's me, you know. I'm not, um, by nature, I, I am not, I'm a fraidy cat. Scaredy cat. I don't know what you call it in America. Is that what you call it? Yeah, I'm a wuss. My younger brother, 18 months younger than me, Gabriel, he is like William Wallace, all, face always painted half blue, total warrior. Right? My, he's mental. I, I have deep, deep anxiety. Um, my, uh, my, my, I got it from my mom. My mom is like a, a worry wart. We call her Debbie Downer. She knows every stat on how you could die in every given situation. <laughs> you know, like at Thanksgiving, she'll be doling out the turkey and she'll be to chew carefully because 28% of people choke and die on Thanksgiving. <laughs> okay? You know, so that's the mother I grew up with. The one that my brother never listened to. I took her counsel. He did not heed it. He's my, my, my dad's son. 
I am my mother's son. And so I'm like, you know, I, I know all the stats. You know, mom would, if mom was here, she'd be looking up at the lighting and going, I hope that's secure. <laughs> you know? Sorry about that. New fear unlocked for some of you. <laughs> that's how I, I'm, I'm the new fear unlocked guy, you know? And I'm just like, oh, no, now I have to worry about that. <laughs> so, uh, as, growing up, my brother was the first person to do anything, jump off things. My, you know, if we're on family vacation, there's a rock to jump off of into a lake. You know, my brother's going off. My dad's kind of, his arms are crossed looking at me like, what, you're just going to stand there? You know, like, <laughs> I will go, Father, you know. I want to please you. <laughs> um, <laughs> uh, we had a, an annual uh, youth group trip uh, to, like, a Six Flags and it was the bane of my teenage existence. And I, we would we'd, we'd get on the bus. It was an hour bus ride uh, to the park, you know, an hour bus ride home. And on, on the way there, all the boys are talking about the, you know, the rides that are going to be going on. And I'm going to be going on the stand-up roller coaster. There's no, you know, you're standing up, you know. I'm going to be going on the, the mighty Canadian mind buster, dude. It, the whole thing comes off at the back. It's insane. You know, I'm like, I'm, I just ate. Like two hours ago, and somebody needs to hang out with the girls. I'm really concerned about them, and so I'm just gonna stay back. You know, like I, I, rem I still remember the knots that I had, you know, in my stomach going to theme parks. Um, my brother is you know, right. Gabe's all bravery, and he's just he's nuts. And I wish I could be like him, but naturally I'm not. Um, you know, I have this wild imagination, and I've got all of my mother's warning signs, you know, and so, and so it, 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 it sucks. Um, but I want to do great things for God, you know, and so it's a conundrum for me. Because I, I want to be this person of faith, but I prefer short giants with pool noodles. You know what I mean? Like, like if, the, if the promised land was defended by three-year-olds, I will annihilate them. <laughs> yeah. Um, so anxiety, you know, the fear of future pain, it is a, um, it's, it's the low fuel light that comes on. And a little bit of anxiety is actually really good for you because it's meant for you to make good decisions that will save your life, right? So, you know, you're barreling down the highway and the fuel that comes on, and smart people will be a little bit scared. Well, oh, that would be really bad. And then you imagine, you know, being that 21-year-old girl that's always pulled over on the side of the highway, right? And he's like, oh, calling her dad. I need yes. You know, it's like, I don't want to be her. So you pull over. And you make the right decision, right? Um, let's say, you know, three million years ago, just have some fun with me for a second. You know, my brother and I are in a cave, you know, and we're like, ooh, 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 you know? <laughs> and that's my, he, my brother's saying, hey, let's go find something to eat. And I'm like, ooh, 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 you know? And so we go out, ooh, 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 and we're looking for something to eat, but we forgot our spears, Right? And so then my brother's like, ooh, ooh, ooh. And I'm like, ooh, ooh. And he's like, ooh, ooh, ooh. And there's a saber-toothed tiger. Right? And so I'm like, ooh, 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 ooh. And so I run 
But my brother's like, ooh, ooh, ooh. He's like, I'm gonna ride it. He dies, I live, right? So Gabe is sort of like Caleb, like he's missing something. Like something's broken on the dashboard. <laughs> now, as I'm reading this passage, I want to be, um, I, I'm, I'm a bit sympathetic to these guys because they're, they're losing their minds, right? Like they've, they, I mean, they saw these giants like real giants, and they saw all of these strong people, and even though there's some good stuff, it's guarded by these dudes, and so they're losing their minds because they're thinking we're, we're gonna die. And the reason why they're thinking that they're gonna die is because they think that the promised land is their idea and it's on them. When I start to think that the goodness of God is dependent necessarily on me, and... Because by the way, fruitfulness is most of the time just mercy. <laughs> I deserve nothing, I deserve death. I'm a sinner, I'm a rebel. But Jesus saved me. He showed mercy on me. He's graced me, he's given me gifts, he's been kind. Continually, his kindness is just continual. And, and so his praise will ever be on my lips because, right? It's the sacrifice of praise, which is continually giving thanks to his name because you're continually aware of what a dirtbag you are. That's the gospel, right? The gospel is you're 10 times worse than you think you are and you're a million times more loved than you could ever imagine. I mean, that's, that's good news for a sinner like me. So I'm just, I'm, so I'm living thankful, fully conscious of who I really am. So God, is, and, and then, even when we're unfaithful, he's still faithful, he cannot deny himself. Right, so we fail, and, but he's just, he's faithful, he doesn't fail. His love never fails, and, and so he's got these places in God that he's bringing us, and, and it wasn't my idea it's his idea. My future isn't my idea. Well, it, well, this is the thing, is if it's my idea, I should be anxious. If my future is my idea, I'm in a hot mess. Right, because, <laughs> because it's me. Hi, I'm the problem, it's me. But if my future is God's idea, if somehow I can get a hold of God, have you ever seen a, you know, when you're playing, when you're playing um, football, tackle football in youth, and there's always like a 12-year-old, and there's an 18-year-old, and he's running the ball, and the 12-year-old grabs onto the, like the 18-year-old's hips, and the 18-year-old the, the just keep on running for 50 yards, and he's just holding on. You know what I mean? He's just, you ever seen a tackle like that? He's just like, he's just, it's like a parasitic relationship. <laughs> right? It's like, we won together. No, you didn't. You, but you were holding on. Right? That's me. I'm, I'm going places in God if I can just get a hold of them. <laughs> it's not my dreams. It's not my, you know, me manifesting my dreams. You don't want to manifest your dreams. Trust me. Your dreams suck. In compare, unless it's a God dream, then that's an awesome dream. 
right? But if it's like your dream, you don't want that. God always has something 10 times better. And what you wanna do is you wanna find the purposes of God and hold on to them. (laughs) And so, yeah, these guys are freaking because they're thinking that the promised land was their idea and that it's gonna be on them to get it. They must think that Egypt was somehow like their idea. These guys are delusional. And so, yeah, they should be very scared. (laughs) God has not brought you here to leave you or abandon you. Now, he's rescued you. He's spared no expense in bringing you to the place where you are right now. And he will be faithful to you and your family and to our church. You know, uh, sometimes we need to know what faith is, right? So faith comes by hearing. Romans chapter 10. Romans 10, faith comes by hearing. Faith is not presumption, it's not assumption, it's not speculation. Uh, I'll g- I'm gonna give you a, a really a, a, an example. So I want a Cadillac Escalade. Okay, I want an all-black Cadillac Escalade. Tear the roof right off of it. No roof. It's a no roof Escalade. Okay? This Escalade is flowing with milk and honey. It's fully loaded. Right? Leather seats. It's going to be insane. I want huge spinning rims on it. The works. Right? Now, God has not told me that I can have a Cadillac Escalade. So I cannot pray a prayer of faith. I can't pray a prayer of faith. Because faith comes by hearing, hearing by the word of Christ. Right? Faith doesn't start with me, it starts with God. You follow me? So I can have faith for whatever God said. Now, I will pray a prayer of hope for my Escalade. And hope does not disappoint. Come on. But a prayer of faith? Yeah. I pray, a prayer of faith is for the, the things that are in the revealed word of, word of God. Prayers, prayers of faith come from being attached to the purposes of God, right? Well, you're, you're just holding on to that, that runner. And so these guys don't have faith because they, they don't know the word. They haven't heard the word. But somehow... You know, we're, we're seeing here, um, Joshua, he's got the word. God delights in us. He's going to give it to us. If this is a God thing, he's going to give it to us. And Moses is saying, this is the place where we're going. So I'm trusting that Moses is the prophet. God's spoken to him. I'm believing that word. I'm standing in that word. Right? So that's where Joshua is able to pull that faith from. We've got a word. There's prophetic destiny on us. If it's his will, it's his bill. It's what the old guys used to say. It's a good one. It's true. If there's faith in it, God's going God's to provide. You know, but I can't blab it and grab it. That's not faith. I need a word from God. So what do the scriptures say? This is why we need to know scripture. We need to know the Bible. Because that's the primary way of hearing God. 
Numbers 14, 9. Numbers 14, 9. Do not rebel against the Lord. Because the thing is, is if the Lord's telling me to do something and he's called me to something, if God's called me to be a part of the church, which, man, if you read your Bible, if you read the New Testament, I don't know how you can avoid those obvious passages that we're called to be a part of the church. Acts chapter two, God added to the church daily those he was saving. They gathered together house to house and in the temple daily, right? Do not forsake the assembling of yourselves together as such is the manner of some, book of Hebrews, right? Like we're called to be living stones, built up as a spiritual house. It's all there. So I know what, one of my callings is to be a part of the gathered church. One of my callings, a major part of my calling is to be the church, to gather together. You following me here? So that's a purpose. I, 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 don't, I, I can have faith for that. And, and, I, and I put my, I'm gonna put feet to my faith for that one. You following me here? Jesus is building his church. We're gonna come back to that in a sec, but that's huge. That's a game changer. So see, if I begin to rebel against the obvious things in Scripture, or I just begin to cast them aside and think that everything's on me and I need to reimagine Christianity and reimagine my spirituality and reimagine this, really I'm being a rebel. We have some major challenges in the church at the moment, like the church at large. Like it's, it's um, th that cowardly thing that I was talking about in Revelation 21. One of the major themes of the book of Revelation is faithful witness. Jesus introduces himself in Revelation 1 as a faithful witness. And we're called to be faithful witnesses to Jesus. And what does it mean to be a faithful witness to Jesus? It means to hold on to his words. Right? I can't divorce Jesus from his words. If I'm going to be faithful to Jesus, I have to be faithful to his words. Right? And, and, and there's, there's, there's challenges at the moment in the church because it's not gonna curry you any socioeconomic favor to be a faithful witness to Jesus in this current political environment. And so uh, many, many of us have become cowards. We become cowards online. You know, like, I, 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 tra I travel to a lot of youth conferences and many of our youth, they're, they're finding it difficult to be a faithful witness because they're scared of the, the mighty hordes on TikTok. You know, imagine having to be a teenager and, and believe the Bible today. That's gonna require an incredible amount of boldness and bravery. We have this challenge right now. Are we gonna be faithful to Jesus or are we gonna be like the 10 spies and that are, they're catastrophizing and they're giving in to catastrophization. And, you know, oh, I don't know about you, but between the hours of about 2 and 4 a.m. is when I do my best catastrophizing. Right? I'm a late night catastrophizer. In the morning, I'm full of faith for at least two hours. This is going to be a great day. God, you are so good. You know what I mean? Like, and after 9 o'clock, I'm just like, we're all going to die. <laughs> I'm just on Twitter. I'm just like refreshing Fox News. You know what I mean? Like, 
My wife's like, don't talk to me. Don't tell me. What is it? What is it? Tell me. Tell me. You know? Eight percent. It's mortgages are at eight percent. We're all dying. We're all gonna die. There's a lot of reasons I, I suppose to be scared, but you know, Matthew chapter six, Jesus tells us, like, hey, you're gonna be okay. I'm gonna take care of you. You know, Jesus is sovereign over grass. <laughs> you're much more valuable than grass. Numbers 13, 16. These are the names of the men who Moses went out to, to spy out the land. And Moses called Hosea the son of Nun, Joshua. Hosea means he saves. Yeshua means Yahweh saves. Just before Joshua goes on the camping trip, Moses changes his name. It's like, it's, it's, it's not about, it's not he saves anymore. Your name is not going to be I save. Or he saves. It's going to be Yahweh saves. So as he's going through the promised land and he's seeing all of these crazy obstacles, his new name that he keeps on getting called on the camping trip, Yahweh saves, that's getting burned into his spirit. Right? And now his prophetic imagination is being pulled up. Right? Because your imagination, you can either have the imagination of a rebel the imagination of a coward. You know, the first thing that runs away when you're a coward is your imagination, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, then your feet follow. But when you're full of faith and you're going, God is with me, Yahweh saves, God's gonna do it, your prophetic imagination begins to get stirred up. There's a hyperbole of faith, right? And you're supposed to let that sucker just go. Let that run. God's going to do it. I don't know how he's going to do it, but he's going to do it. And then you just begin to imagine him doing it. You know, the, well, Anakim, giants, you know, maybe, maybe Joshua's like, you know, God, I don't know how you're doing it. Is it going to be cannonballs from the sky that you're going to get him? Or is it going to be like an angelic camel gang with matching vests? They're going to roll up and destroy the Canaanites. I don't know how you're going to do it, God, but I know you're going to do it because Yahweh saves. It's now my identity. It's who I am. No, not only am I hanging on to your purposes, but my identity now is God, you save. It's not on me, it's on you. It's a total shift of priority, a shift of our imagination. Last verse and we're done, Numbers 13, 32. They brought to the people a bad report. You know, they, they said, it's a land that devours its inhabitants. Right, fear has an imagination. It, this is like saying there's sharks with laser beams on their foreheads. There's sharks with laser beams on their foreheads. No, there's no sharks. We're landlocked. Yeah, but there's going to be a Sharknado, dude. Come on, th that's what we're like it to in the morning. Right? We all have these moments in our life when we're like, there's sharks with laser beams. The land devours its inhabitants. And when that begins to well up in us, we need to begin to go, no, Yahweh saves. God, you're gonna do something ridiculous, awesome. It's above and beyond anything that I could even imagine. If I'm tied to the purposes of God, and that's the trick, 
Is my life, and this is the question today, is your life tied to the purposes of God? God doesn't fight my battles, he fights his battles. So is my life tied up in the purposes of God? You hearing me? Bravery comes from faith, and faith comes from the word. I'm going to land the plane here. But just with one really practical example. Jesus is building his church. Jesus is building his church. It's what he's building. It's what he's obsessed with. Jesus is coming back for his bride. He's coming back for his church. He died for his church. We are the body of Christ. He's coming back for us. He loves us. He loves his people. And the the church is not going to shrink. The church is not going to fail. The church is not going to be the worst. Jesus is coming back for a pure and spotless bride. Right? He's coming back for a beautiful bride. And so the church is just, and Jesus is building his church. So if Jesus is building it, I want to be a part of it. I want to be a part of whatever he's building. I want my life to be fully in the purposes of God. And I know this one, I know one thing, Jesus is building his church. That's a hot tip today for you. You know, where do I, where do I invest in this economic uncertainty? Where do I give my life in this socio-political uncertainty? Where do I invest? Where do I, where does my life, my life is a seed. Where do I sow my life? Dude, if, if, if Elon Musk and Warren Buffett moved all of their assets into one portfolio, would you follow suit? Would you consider that? How about this? What if Nancy Pelosi bought one stock? You know, what would you, would you consider maybe buying some? Jesus is all in on the church. He's all in. That's a tell. This is the safest place to invest your life, to invest your treasure, to invest every part of you. Don't counsel. There's there's always going to be more cowards than there are you know, faithful spies. It's 10 to 2. Don't counsel the cowards. Don't counsel the craziness and the catastrophe. Counsel the word of God. Let your counsel come from the word of God and build your life in the place where Jesus is building. Church, why don't you stand with me? Let me pray for you. Father, we thank you right now for your word. And Father, we thank you right now for the courage that comes from your word. Father, we want to be faithful witnesses to Jesus. We want to be a faithful people. And Lord, you know our hearts. Lord, you know that we're, you know what we're made of. And so you're very patient and you're very kind with us. And so we're so thankful for that. But God, we want to be faithful people. We want to be people full of faith, believing God for his goodness. Lord, we want to be that people who are tied to you, tethered to you, holding on to your goodness, holding on to your presence. And so God, we just ask you that you would come and and stir in our hearts and stir in our spirits and awaken that prophetic imagination over our life. Father, that when when we are tempted to catastrophize and imagine all kinds of craziness and ridiculousness, 
The enemy would try to come in and confuse us and discourage us and, and turn us around and turn us upside down. God, that your word would come to us in the night. And God, that we would be prophets and begin to prophesy to our future. There's some of you, you know, the Lord wants to change your names. Your identity has been anxiety. Your identity has been catastrophization. And you're turned around. And some of you, you know, you're just, you're absolutely terrified of the future. And I believe the Lord just wants to speak to you in today and say, look to me, look to my word. Turn off the television, get off of the internet, begin to, you know, look to my word. And the peace of God will come then. The peace of God isn't what you get when you're meditating. The peace of God is something that you begin to get as you begin to listen to the voice of God. Father, we thank you for your voice right now. We thank you for your voice. Lord, I thank you that you have a plan and you have a purpose for us and you think good thoughts towards us. You think many good thoughts towards us. And Father, I thank you for God thoughts, prophetic dreams. Father, I thank you for dreams, good imaginations, prophetic imaginations, imaginations that are full of the purpose of God that would completely overcome and overwhelm every demonic and fearful thought. That's you today. You've been really, really, you are terrified of the future. That's how you would put it. You said, Nate, I'm terrified. God wants to minister to you right now. Right now. I believe that God wants to break something off of you right now in Jesus' name. That's you. Just lift your hand to the Lord. Just wherever you are. Father, I thank you right now that your spirit is here to break off every heavy yoke in Jesus' name. Father, I thank you that your spirit is here to minister life. And so right now, I just rebuke Right now, every heavy yoke, every voice that would try to terrify and terrorize in Jesus' name. And Father, I thank you for the peace of God that passes understanding that it would guard their hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. And Father, I thank you for like fresh heaven downloads this week into their spirit, into their subconscious, and that they would begin to believe and stand on the word of God. Father, I thank you right now for scripture for verses that, that see, like seeds that were sown in their youth that will begin to come back and reap a harvest of a prophetic imagination in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.